Blog Talk Radio. Mama's Pearls. I'm your hostess, Cynthia, and here at Mama's Pearls, we like to say that we take the most beautiful pieces of life and string them together. If you feel like chatting with us today and joining in the conversation, you can do so. Our number here is 347-327-9450. Now, all this month, the month of February, the month of love, we've been exploring ways to basically plug back into your heart. Um, it wasn't last week, but two weeks ago, we had Arielle Ford, who is my um, former business partner on the show, to talk about using the law of attraction to attract your life's true love. She has written a book called The Soulmate Secret, and you can find her at www.thesoulmatesecretbook.com. And it was just amazing. I mean, talking with Arielle and, and having knowing her personally and just working through um, working through her book, it's not just for people who want to attract their soulmate. I mean, this woman has learned to apply the law of attraction in every area, area of her life, and it's something, it's a simple tool that you can use in every area of your life. And the the easiest way to describe the law of attraction is like attracts like and that you know you're going to attract a person a career a situation a relationship to you from the emotional and physical state that you are in so it's going to match where you are at so how to get yourself out of your current state particularly if you're you're in a funk um, or if you've been burned by past relationships how to draw yourself out of that and catapult yourself forward to your next highest self to attract even bigger and better so her book gives you a ton of tools and practices to go through that process and undo your undo your blocks and to making room um, in your home on a physical level to welcome more space in. And I kind of see it like, you know, especially as we're getting into to springtime and there's little signs of life everywhere with the buds <laughs> finally on the trees and I'm actually able to see my grass after all winter it being covered in snow, where you see signs of life and you get into that spring fever mode and you want to just do a clean out. Ariel's book is a great tool to help you do that. And um, for me, just kind of going back into my personal into my personal space of having, you know, set out and embarked on a career in the entertainment world, it's like, you know, I look back and I'm just amazed at what I've been drawn to and where my path has gone. Like I, I remember talking to my mom when I was in high school and I, I used to always say that I wanted to meet and work with Steven Spielberg and um, you know, just seeing all his films were such an inspiration and just impacted me so deeply and I never knew exactly how I was going to get to where I really envisioned myself being and it was like I set up guideposts for myself and I remember getting 
getting these like waves and flashes of deja vu where I'd be doing something and be like, oh yeah, this this feels absolutely right. And they were guideposts for myself. And along the way, it was like when I was in college, I started taking legal studies classes and I started doing re- really well in them, so I kept taking more. I was also taking theater arts classes because I was interested in entertainment and kind of wanted to understand it from like the performance side, and I was doing really well. So I adapted that as my, my minor. And I started taking psychology because I wanted to figure out how everything worked, and I was doing really well in those classes. So I just kind of kept following where the pathways were opening up and where I was attracted to. And step by step, that led me to law school. Step by step, I followed more cues there about where to work and get my internship and where to where to kind of throw my hat career-wise and really kind of checking back into my heart about what felt right. I had a lot of back and forth about whether to go into a large law firm or whether to go into a small law firm or whether to not go into a law firm at all but go into an entertainment company. And I wound up during law school working with an independent film producer slash attorney that had his own practice and produced his own films and was like a really great exposure, first exposure for me. And I just kept following my heart and what was opening up. Then after law school, I remember it took me about a, a you know a solid year to to find the, my first job out of law school, and I wound up working for New Line Cinema, which was an amazing gig and a total apprenticeship for me. But during that year, it was so hard. I mean, I had so many people just saying, just just take any job. It doesn't matter. Just just get yourself working and get your foot in the door and, you know, just somewhere and you can jump off. And I was really kind of stubborn in saying with the opportunities that came to me and I had an opportunity in a bigger law firm and all these other kinds of things, none of that really felt right. And nobody else could tell me outside what I was doing was logical, but I just knew intuitively it wasn't it wasn't right for me. So I went on and I started working at at New Line Cinema. And then after... After that, and if you cut to one of the shows that I had in the past where I had Stephen Simon on, I met him just randomly because he was doing a learning addicts lecture on mystical movie messages that inspire our lives. And I saw it in the bulletin, and I, you know, bells went off for me, and I just kind of said, yes, I want to go see what this is about. And it was the first time that I ever really connected the two concepts of spirituality and filmmaking and that there is such a genre and that there is such a thing called spiritual cinema, spiritual filmmaking. And I always felt that filmmaking was a very spiritual process and that the messages and the power behind entertainment was so, so powerful, how much you can convey and how much emotion you can invoke into the viewer. And basically the viewer, is, while passive, is still having such an experience and a ride with you on film. So, you know, meeting Stephen really kind of changed my course, and we went off to found to co-found the, the Spiritual Cinema Circle together, which is a DVD distribution company for spiritual films, and kind of one thing led to another, and I kept following my signs and my guideposts, and now my niche is really working with spiritual filmmakers and authors and, you know, entrepreneurs who have films and messages with with some sort of, you know, cause and message um, underneath. And for me, it's it's been a true labor of love. And it's also been very validating to know that I can kind of approach my work's 
mode, much like I approach my, my regular life and, and include my spiritual practice, that I'm speaking with people who kind of understand the same the same language. I mean, if I were to go back to some of the other corporate jobs that I had and started talking about spiritual concepts, I'd probably be looked at like I was a Martian. And I think a lot of people, you know, it, it's spiritual talk has kind of become a little bit more mainstream, partly thanks to yoga, um, but it's still it's still not not completely mainstream. So for me, working in within settings and with people who can I can speak the same language to and go through a process with, and it's not all just bottom line business. For me, works, and you know that is kind of what I set out with my law of attraction. Now, through through my experience with the spiritual cinema circle, I met somebody called um, called his name is Matt Welsh, who does a spiritual media blog, and he interviewed me for for his blog, and I've been working with him on the side. And through that blog and, and that whole world is where I came to know my special guest who's going to be joining us in just a minute. And um, Lori Marsh, who's our special guest, who's producing a film. It's called Boston Sunshine. It's an independent film. She reached out to me basically saying, you know, can I come on board in, in some respects and help with the journey of this film? And at first I, I, I wasn't quite sure what role. She already had a lawyer. It wasn't, it wasn't as you know, it wasn't to come on as a lawyer. So I'm like, okay, let me, you know, let's let's rethink what role is appropriate. So I wound up that the appropriate role is for me to come on and executive produce this film. And why I was so drawn, one, to Lori, two, to Gentry Chancy, who's the who's the director and writer of the film, and and just to the project in general was when I read the film, when I read the script for the film, it was just like it was just so relatable in that it takes it takes the char- character's journey, Lynn and Bob, and Lynn is just like the ultimate pessimist, but she's kind of really grappling with her own her own blocks and the own things in her life that that trips her up and keeps her up and self sabotage and all of these all of these kind of things that I think when you really start opening your eyes to the spiritual practices, we all kind of realize that we do um, and that we have to work through and up, uh, in order to get to the other side, in order to come through the part where we kind of reach our authentic selves and we can speak with our truth. And Bob was just a character that cracked me up as far as he's like this recovering, you know, recovering gambling addict who now really wants to, to set out his messages and be a self-help author and I know all from that because a lot of my clients are self-help authors. So, you know, the, the entire story, in, it takes place in Sunshine, Texas, which is kind of like, you know, doldrum-type town, but still having all this, you know, the, where the town doesn't shine, where a lot of times you take stories and they happen in New York, you know, New York City shines and then the characters get lost. Well, this is kind of the opposite thing where you have the town of Sunshine, Texas, and there's really nothing going on in these towns, but these characters are so alive and they kind of make up the story. So for me, you know, I was sold on that. And then when I met Lori, we kind of talked for hours and, you know, we continue to do that on a regular basis. I just I just was so taken with her passion, her knowledge, and her, you know, when you when you take on a producing role, it's kind of you have to have, like, both the business and creative minds and she had it she has them both and it's been 
a true pleasure to kind of learn and as much as I, I feel like I'm guiding her, like she's totally guiding and, and mentoring me in the process as well. And it's been just an amazing experience so far and we're still only at the beginning yet we've done so much. What we're trying to do with this film is not just make an amazing independent film but really create a whole landscape online in a whole new way to bring people into kind of the pre-story of the film. So the Lost in Sunshine com website is a whole prequel landscape of the film before you even get to the story. Um, it's called a transmedia website, and we're in the middle of doing a a fundraising campaign to just get the the website of the film up to a level where we're all um, where it's much more interactive and happy. So I'm so so pleased to welcome to welcome Lori Marsh onto the show and introduce her to the Mama's Pearls community. Lori, are you with us? Hello. Hi. I'm here. Welcome. <laughs> so happy to have you on air. Um, I'm delighted okay. to be here. Yeah. So where I want to start with you is kind of backtracking a little bit about your own experience in the independent film world because, you know, our pearl of the the week is screen your heart. And Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like independent filmmaking is totally like a gut punch and and leading with your heart. So if you can start Mm -hmm. there, I think that would be awesome. Wow. Uh, You nailed it. (laughs) I think think that... uh, you know, if you're drawn to to independent film and, and if you keep being drawn to it for any length of time, it, it is something that it, it tugs at your heart, I mean, to to the consternation of your brain many times. Um, <laughs> I, I, I definitely can say that my brain has tried to, to intercede a number of times over the last many years, uh, like, what are you doing? Um, but my heart just keeps saying this feels purposeful. Um, I love this process. I love um, not only the process of, of, it's so gratifying to have put together something that goes up on screen in front of people and to experience that communion that they have with the story. Or just, even if they don't like it, the the um there's still an interaction there um and you know it can be really bracing and and interesting to, you know for people to talk about well I loved this about that movie well I didn't like that at all um people are connecting uh around this thing that you were part of putting up in front of them to sort of chew on and um what's tremendously gratifying is if it is cathartic for them in any way uh that's a, a blessing that. Um, is just an extra bonus. The the film that um, that I was producer on before Lost in Sunshine was called Jumping Off Bridges, and it was about a teenager and his friends who were grappling with the suicide of one of their parents. And it was just I can't explain how much of um, a gift. An unexpected gift it was to talk with people who had been touched by suicide themselves in some capacity who really embraced that movie and wanted their friends and family to see it because there was something about 
the story or one of the characters that was so authentic for them that they wanted other people to see it and go, see, see, that was my experience. This, this is now you can understand. Um, and uh, for it to have that role for people beyond entertainment, beyond inspiration, beyond you know, take me away from my life for a couple hours, give me something to think about, something to laugh about. Um, that was a, a tremendous um, gift as a producer. Something you can, you, you know, I, 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 I set out to make something hopefully that, you know, people would respond to and, and it's a good story and you get sucked into it and you care about the themes and, and then it sort of had this whole additional layer of meaning for a small group of people that was just tremendously gratifying. Right. So when you have a moment like that, being, yeah, yeah. When you have a moment so like wanted, that, just, then yes, well, your heart is definitely the, engaged. It's like this is why this is why I do this. Right. And I just wanted to put it out there that that film, Jumping Off Bridges, is now being distributed through New Day Films. Um, but I know that there was a time where you tried to pull away from. <laughs> Yes. from the world of independent filmmaking and cuz you came from more of the corporate corporate mm-hmm. world and entrepreneurial world and um what brought you back and more specifically why with Lost and Sunshine Oh boy um boy that's that's kind of like two different arcs right there um <laughs> I had start uh, with the first Okay I'll start with the first um Yes, I I tried to quit uh film producing, filmmaking. Um and uh because I I spent uh several years 100% focused on it. Um 100 just putting myself 100% into producing things. Uh I founded a screenplay contest for Texas writers and ran that for 3 years. Uh I did plays in Austin, Texas. I did short films. Uh, which I wrote and produced and directed. Uh, I think I'm forgetting a couple of things. And um, <laughs> and on the side, in order to, to you know try to fuel my filmmaking habit, I also had part-time jobs. I was a, a water fitness instructor, and also I was a, a landscape gardener. And I worked at a, a landscape, uh, uh, a nursery. And... Uh, I uh, I got to the end of this like three or four year period where I, I kind of considered it my personal grad school uh, with all the expenses that goes with that, and um, nothing nothing really took. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, I I produced and directed a run of this play and in Austin. And it was really well received, and we got this really great review uh, in the local arts paper. And um, we ha- we were in our last weekend uh, of of the run, and we because of that review, we we were booked, we were reserved all through the weekend, and that was going to push me over the edge into the black with that play. And then uh, there was a flood. Right. It rained in Texas, and Congress Avenue was under like ten inches of water, and we couldn't perform that weekend. Wow. Um, And uh, the same thing with with my um, with my script contest. I met great writers, some of whom I'm still in touch with. uh, Came across tremendous talent. 
uh, and I um, got I, some of the money for that came from a um, from a state arts funding program. And after my third year of doing it, um, that arts funding program went into hiatus because they were reevaluating it. And so I was going to lose half of, of the income that paid for it, and it was still it wasn't something that made me b- money either. Uh, so there was another place where it's like, okay, um, <laughs> you know, I either put more money into this to to build a nonprofit nonprofit writers arts agency, um, or I fold up shop to focus on producing films, which is what I wanted to do, and that's why I was running the contest was to meet more writers. Um, and I also wanted to option a script that I came across uh, in that contest, and it didn't work out at the time. Um, so I kept kind of hitting these doors that were shut, and right. I just was pooped. And I was like, all right, I'm 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 either going to become a certified fitness instructor or I'm going to build a landscaping business. And uh, I'm done. And then I fell out of the ceiling of my house. <laughs> I was trying to climb up into the attic. It doesn't it doesn't matter why. And I had the extension ladder up there, and I was just about to get in the attic, and the extension ladder slid out beneath me, and I fell, and I tore the ligaments in my in my ankle. So there, and and I was out for like the next year. Um, oh my god! You know, no no gardening. <laughs> That's a pretty physical yeah. job, you know. I can't I can't right. I can't garden. Uh, I can't operate heavy machinery. Uh, and you know, the fitness thing, there's only so much you can do on crutches. And I remember right. coming across this book. I think it was the Carolyn Mace book about, you know, healing or something. And it was like, you know, injuries to different parts of your body have to do with different spiritual blockages. And the one right. about um, feet and ankles was about identity and life path, if you're confused about your identity and your life path. And... It just was like a huge exclamation point for me. <laughs> like, yes, that's right. You know, um, <laughs> these other things are things that I liked and that my brain said, to be practical, you should develop these and leave behind this other right. thing, which is just sort of a heartache at this point. Um right. But then I sort of got, I felt like it was a big message. Like, no, you physically cannot pursue these other paths. <laughs> right. It's uh, true. And but, but it's kind of like, you know, a lot of people would say mind over matter, but that's really like your matter, your body kind of physically rejecting. And, and, and there was an adjustment <laughs> in my brain. There definitely yeah. was an adjustment because I really love directing and I really wanted my gift to come out in in. Right directingness um and the thing that this whole process sort of brought into clarity for me was that the thing that had always come really easily to me very organically was producing producing is the seeing something there you see something there Mm -hmm. you you see the talent you see all the 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 pieces of the Chinese checkers game going and how it's all going to pan out and you get everybody on the boat and you figure out what size boat you need and uh, how much fuel you need for what kind of trip you're going to do. And um, I finally, I, I really had to embrace the death of my directing aspirations to uh, recognize the door that was open in front of me, which was producing. Right. Right. 
So, and personally, I'm glad that that you did. But oh, it's you. just like, but <laughs> it's, really it's, but it's kind of like. It, it, it's it's hard, you know, letting, like you said, mourning the death of one aspect of yourself so the other part can mm-hmm. shine. Kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, Ariel says, you have to kind of let go of your past and the blocks that, that hold you and so you can move forward and attract even bigger and brighter things for yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're embarking on that path as a producer, you know, it is that, that passionate over the practical, you know. I mm-hmm. mean, as a producer, you still have to be extremely practical and knowing the landscape of the business and knowing the, the talent that you're bringing in, but it's still you have to be driven by the passion because, you know, nobody going into the film business will say, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. Right. Um, no. it's, it's an extremely It's not really it's a job that you can apply tough. for. It's not right. the, it's, it's not a job that you can apply for because no one's going to give you the permission that's going to sustain you when right. the chips are down. It, it, it really right. does. When people say, and they say that about a lot of, of creative arts, if you, if you cannot do it, then you should not do it. <laughs> Go do something that is, is easier, more fulfilling, uh, makes you happier, whatever. It, it really has to be um, something that feeds you uh, sort of spiritually. Because it's it's not going to necessarily feed you in any sort of consistent paycheck sort of way. Right. It's a it's a very it's a very hard path. But what was it in particular about the film Lost in Sunshine that struck you and said, okay, for this I can I can go through all the blood, sweat, and tears of you know indie filmmaking. Uh, you know, for me, it was the process of working with Gentry Chancy. Uh, and I'm hope and I'm hoping that she will call, call in on the show. So yeah, yeah. we can help. Um, uh, I know she she might have had another uh, uh, gig this morning, but um, for for me, it, it definitely came down to to Gentry. I you know I was at home. I we had moved from Los Angeles to Minnesota uh, six months before with our with our infant daughter, and. Um, you know, I was just kind of hunkered down up here, getting used to a new environment and being a parent. And, and my daughter was 15 months old, and I, I didn't really think that I would even be looking for another project to produce until maybe she was three. And um, but I was still doing script analysis, script consulting, and Gentry came to me with her script. And um, and if you'd asked me, you know, what I thought I'd want to produce next, um, producing independent art house film is like one of the most difficult things to produce if you're a producer. I mean, it's it's easier to produce a, a movie about alien mummies than it is <laughs> something very humane and authentic and there's a journey and the characters and all that. And, and Jumping Off Bridges was very ensemble movie, character-based. And so if you'd asked me brain what I thought I would invest myself in next as a producer when my daughter was older, I, you know, I would have told you I want action adventure movie. I want things blowing up. I want aliens. Uh, Cause I like those movies too. And, um, right. but here comes the script in my orbit and this writer who, um, whom I knew, uh, she had been our key makeup person. She ran the hair and makeup crew on jumping off bridges a few years before. And I didn't know that she wrote back then. Um, and in the process of working with her to, to uh, tighten up her script, she was just so 
talented. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. She could really turn things around. Um, she was uh, rece- receptive and responsive. And, um, you know, I know it's really hard for, for writers to, to look at their stories with, with somebody and, and talk about what's not working. And there's a phrase in, in writing, I, I'm, I'm probably saying it wrong, but it's like you got to murder your children, you got to kill your babies. Um, because there are some things that are beautiful writing, but they don't serve your story. And right. you have they to get rid of them. Right. You, I know a lot really of writers. Hard choices. Get, well, um, yeah, and, and a lot of writers get, get kind of tripped up as far as like absolutely. writing for a reader and writing for somebody who's watching a film. And I just want to say, if anybody's exactly. listening live, the the live the live stream is going to come off, so you just can go back into the archives and and pick up where we left off. But we're going to continue. Go ahead. Okay. Um, but Gentry. Uh, Gentry could really process um, the, our discussions in, in such a constructive way, and she could turn it around with another draft, and it was it was better. It addressed, you know, X on on that pass. You know, I would talk with her. You know, in this pass, we're going to focus just on X. You know, specifically this character, and we had things that we talked about with this character and the theme. And this time, you're going to go back through and only deal with X. And we'd have a, a draft where X was improved. And then the next draft we would go through and say, okay, this time we're going to talk about B. And maybe this time it was about clearing up things about the, the sort of the past of, of the characters that doesn't necessarily show up on screen, but it's, it's sort, of the, sort of that threading that you notice the seams are off <laughs> if, if, you haven't, if you haven't really thought about it beforehand. Um, and in about two and a half months, we went through, I think, six more drafts of the script and it was just really fluid and organic and um in the process of talking with her about what inspired her to write the script and sort of what she was trying to say with it um I came to realize that the the themes of it were were really resonant for me as well the whole notion of of self-discovery and and specifically you know the the journey to self discovery usually isn't one that's all like candy canes and 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 flowers. You know, it's it's usually it's like, not. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you keep doing stuff that hurts. You know, it just you, you, and even if, even as you're doing it, you'll realize I'm so dumb. I'm so you know why am I doing this? I'm so right. stupid. Or you know that hurt. Damn, I did it again. That hurt. You know, you keep you keep repeating things until it hurts enough that you have enough incentive to to you know, make a different choice next time, even right. if it's scary and unfamiliar and, you you know, you don't even know what you're doing. Uh, that was really, really resonant for me. And so, really, I fell in love with the person first. I, I totally fell in love with, with the talent and the person, the writer. And, um, and, I'm and that pretty was very sure much the case person, something on too. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that person is just joining us on the Yay! line. Or, or we have a listener, so let me let me check in and see if this is her or if it's somebody else. Okay. Hello and welcome to Mama's Pearls. Hey, ladies. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Were you feeling oh, the I'm, love? Yeah, I am feeling the love. <laughs> I, this is a great show. I love it. This is very inspiring. I know both of you, and I'm still sitting here, just continuously getting 
more inspired about the film. <laughs> right? Awesome. We're making it sound pretty yeah. good. <laughs> okay, so so this is a double double bonus today in Mama's Pros because we have Lori Morris, who's the producer, and now Gentry Chancy, who is a writer and director of the film, just joined us as well. So Gentry Welcome to Mama's Pearls. And um, what I kind of am curious, because it, it all really, the, the journey with Lost in Sunshine really started with you in coming up with the script and the characters. And what was it in particular, like, about, you know, the creative process with working with these characters? Because I know a lot of writers, when they start writing, and, you know, like me and my blog, even though my blog's more like my personal my personal life, so I'm the character, but like when I know writers get very attached to the characters that they're creating. So what was it about like Lynn and Bob and the other amazing characters in in the in the film that really touched a piece of you? I think really it's just that they're so flawed. And I think that 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 I mean I'm just being honest. I mean that's just I'm completely full of flaws. It's made me you know, flaws and all, who I am today, the good and the bad and the ugly and the great. And so I just think that, you know, sort of the the more confused and lost and flawed that they were, the more that I could connect to that character, given, you know, it may have just been, you know, from a moment of my life, I could still relate to it. And I was just hoping that, you know, other people would too. So what is it about the their journey though that um that you most want to convey to other people? Oh, I you know, that it'll be all right. I think there was a moment in my <laughs> life when I didn't I didn't know that, you know. I was sitting at a desk and just feeling completely overwhelmed and, you know, like I didn't have options and someone turned to me and said, you know, you're gonna be okay. It's everything's going to be all right. And I'm not sure I have ever had anybody say that to me before, you know? So I just, that's, that's, that's probably it. Well, uh, you know, another thing I'm, I want to inject when we were, when we were working on the subsequent drafts of, of the script, um, this has always been Lynn's story. And when right. Gentry and I talked about all the things thematically that, we could frame the story around um, once once Gentry alighted on you know what it's really about, then we could go back and look at each of the characters and and you get to explore that theme through your different characters so um she always resonated first off with Lynn's journey, but then, as we went through subsequent 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 drafts together, <laughs> Bob's journey came forward much more. Because um, he's, he's, his journey is sort of the flip side of the coin. Um, right. And it story-wise, theme-wise, it, it gave Gentry a chance to, you know, sort sort of be the other voices in her head. <laughs> um, right. And, and also with some of the supporting characters as well, each of them is, we were, t- we talked a lot about how each character is running away from himself 
for herself. And, uh, you know, part of the journey is self-discovery. And, and even when Gentry said that just now, you know, I don't think anyone had ever told me before it was going to be okay. Um, you, you, you can do all these things that sort of run away from your own answers. Uh, you can work too much. You can sleep around. You can sort of live in denial about uh, an essential aspect of yourself or about your past. Um, we really wanted to talk about with each of these characters sort of who was present with himself and, and who wasn't. And the people who weren't present with themselves, what, were, what was their unique way of sort of running away from their own answers? And that's where what? that's where Bob came out as a counterpoint, a much more stronger counterpoint to Lynn. Yeah. Why why do you think it's so hard for people in general to stand in front of a mirror and look at themselves? I can tell you that it it, it the scariest thing in the world is to look within and get an answer and trust that it's good enough. Huh. Gentry? I mean think of Go ahead. I want to hear Gentry's take on that, too. I just think um, sometimes our perceptions of ourselves are, can be so different from how other people perceive us. And, you know, when someone sometimes someone may make a comment and it, it, about you that catches you off guard because, you know, you don't always see exactly in the mirror what other people see, I guess, is my point. You know, it's like looking at the picture going... I hate every picture I'm in, and you know, thinking that you're some beautiful supermodel. And when the reality is, <laughs> you're a beautiful person, but you're not a supermodel. So it's just the the difference in accepting, you know, and being okay, and um, and hopefully at peace with uh, who you are on the inside and the out. Right. So what do you think, I, I, I want to hear a little bit more about the characters. I mean, I know them personally, but I, I want you to share with the with the listeners a little bit more about who is Lynn, what is she running away from, um, and then we can kind of take it back to where is she starting in in the pre-quill, pre-quill world of the website. So tell me more about Lynn. So Lynn, I feel like Lynn is, I guess there's nothing really simple about Lynn, but <laughs> she, she, for lack of better words, she is, she is misguided. Um, sort of because she's one of those people that that is is not letting herself accept sort of the circumstances of where she where she's at and who she is in her life at this present moment, but at the same time, feels like she. She already has this preconceived notion about where she's going and will do anything not to eventually be there. So it's a little bit right. twisted. The psychology is a little bit twisted. Um, and so this prequel world, I guess, so to speak, is just its her in the present day. It's her leading up to the place that she gets to in the movie so that the audience or, you know, the, the, the people tuning in will feel like they have more of a connection to her and know sort of where she's coming from. Not that they wouldn't as a whole if they would sit down and read the script or, you know, see the movie from beginning to end, but it just gives it a little bit more um, depth, a little bit more to carry with you when you go to the theater or when you watch it for the first time. 
Absolutely. I, think, I mean, personally. Does that answer the question? <laughs> yeah. All right. So the thing that's, the thing that's tricky little... to balance on, on the prequel, though, too, is that by the time you meet and get to know Lynn in the movie, uh, she's definitely sort of hit a breaking point. She's she's at a point where, you know, she's in the china shop and she's breaking the china. <laughs> Every sort of bad decision that you can make, Lynn's going there. Because uh, yeah. she thinks she has nothing to lose. She thinks that the future is set and she can't do crap about it. Um, and she doesn't right. like her future, but she doesn't think she can change it. And the movie sort of unveils why she thinks that. Um and, you know, she's really challenged in her assumptions about what sort of free will she has in her life in the movie. And in the prequel, the challenge is to show that escalating in her life, the sort of the, the small irritations and the, the uh, disappointments that are sort of piling upon one another and the smart-assness, which is getting, you know, she's we're we're demonstrating you know she's she's operating in this glasses half empty mindset and right. and the prequel um when you read her blog you get to know that there's there's some little things that she kind of hangs on to that are that are keeping her boat upright you know she she meets her neighbor marge and and they've got they've got this love of caring for animals that that they have in common and she has these little insights from her budding friendship with Marge, and she has her buddy Johnny at work who, you know, is sort of a uh, doofus in some ways, but he's a wise doofus in, in many ways. Um, so how the comic do we... relief of her life. <laughs> yes. Right. But a centered <laughs> one, you know, on the, out, on the outside, he seems to be, you know, someone you wouldn't really expect to admire, but I think you come to realize, you know, he's true to who he is. And... um okay. And I think she re- recognizes that in him, and that's why she likes him. And because uh, he doesn't care what other people think. And uh, so online, how do we how do we share with you what's going on with Lynn before she hits the I'm going to break everything in the china shop place that she gets to in the movie without giving away what's in the movie yet? Right, exactly. That's been a challenge for us online. I think it's been awesome and brilliant to kind of see the backstory unfold and paint more of the picture and really, you know, become invested with these characters and their journey. And anybody who goes to the website, which is www.lostandsunshine.com, you know, you're right there hit with the, the, you know, do you see the glass as half empty or half full? So it's immediately kind of bringing the reader in to kind of gauge their own perception of where they lie um, to then go on the journey with them before, like, you know, kind of before you judge us, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, (laughs) it's kind of like, where do you, you know, yeah, yeah. That that actually just kind of hit me. I'm looking at this like, wait a minute. I have to kind of figure out where where my perspective is before I go in and kind of judge and see where these where these screwed up characters are. And yeah, the characters are totally screwed up. Um, but they could just you know as well be as your neighbor, or or they can be yourself. And you know, for me, it was like 
it's, you know, the whole process of this has kind of been that self-discovery. I mean, there's one, there's the creative world of holding the energy in the space for these characters to kind of gain more personality and, and become more real with getting it still from either the website or the script and into you know, a, a, a visual kind of motion picture format, as well as, you know, the whole business aspect, which is just the whole other piece about doing the fundraising campaign, which we're doing through Indiegogo. And, and Laurie, I definitely want to talk, talk, want to hear a little bit more about that, about the specifics about what that, that money is being raised for. So, you know, and then it's just kind of the the powwows that we have to do on a regular basis to kind of keep the momentum up and to really hold the space. And I really think that, you know, as a producer, as the writer, director, it's like that's that's like the ultimate um, ultimate role that you that we all have in this is to just keep holding the space so the light will shine onto this project and into other people's lives. I love that. Analogy. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Oh my God, I love that's, that analogy. That's how- because it's like, you know, and then in doing that, you and I and Gentry, we still have that, you know, our own day-to-day process to do. You know, we're, you know we also have, you know, Gloria, you have, you have a daughter and I have my kids and Gentry has her work and it's still, you know, it's balancing all of